Hi, I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. And welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling. A conversation about growing a business without needing to be the loudest person on the block. Less noise, more... <sighs> Today we get to hang out with my dear friend, Jana Boca, a self-proclaimed wanderer with a penchant for pop songs and slow drip coffee. She's a writer, a singer, and she helps other musicians make their presence shine through her marketing business, Social Thinkery. She's got a new album of music on the way, and we catch up to her on the last leg of a road trip through her home state of New Mexico. And then we stayed in Gallup, New Mexico the night before last um, at this old hotel that the, they used to film a bunch of Westerns out there, I guess, all the movies. I saw a picture there. of that on your, Quite on, impressive your Insta, for Gallup. on your Insta book. Yeah, yeah, on the gram. So, and now we're here. So it seems like a whirlwind and also a whole month, basically. That's fantastic. Love that. That sounds really fun. And actually, this is our first, like, really fully remote deal. Oh, cool. So I'm, in, oh, yeah. I'm in Wimberley, and Miles is in LA, and you're in Taos. So that's kind of cool. Wow. wow. That's awesome. 2021. I'm glad this is technology. <laughs> well, so one of the things we like to do, Janet, is just uh, have people tell us, tell us about you. What's your story? How did you get where you are and where are you? <laughs> where am I and how did I get here? Awesome question from, I would expect that from a, from Bill Small. Um, I think you just ask me that every time I see you. Uh, <laughs> I am a, I'm a writer, a uh, uh, subcategory songwriter. Uh, I do a lot of that, but I have always written all kinds of things and I still, do love writing all kinds of things from prose to all the way to tweets. Um, <laughs> so I think I self-identify most as a writer. And uh, uh, I grew up in New Mexico. Uh, it's nice to be in my home state doing this interview. Um, and uh, uh, started playing guitar when I was 11 years old. And, and that really like put a light bulb over my head. And I thought, this is really fun. And, and uh, got acquainted with some songwriters that played and wrote and sang all their own stuff. And that was the larger light bulb moment of, oh my God, I can do this. So I started uh, applying the writing to the guitar playing and that's kind of been my main identity ever since. Um, and played around in college at the University of New Mexico. And New Mexico is a beautiful state. Albuquerque is a great city. Not a ton of music scene, so I was scoping out Austin while I was in college and decided that was the place to be. So I moved to Austin right after, and I didn't know anyone there. Um, and now I know a lot of people there, so that's how that works. Uh, and and I've been there for like 15 years now. Um, and in the meantime, I've always been, I, I self-identify as a nerd. Uh, I don't think that's a derogatory term. So uh, I... I've like when I was in college, Facebook and YouTube and not Twitter, but Facebook and YouTube launched and we were like, what is this totally harmless thing that seems really fun to use? Um, but I got, got into it uh, and, and really loved all the opportunities that that the growing social media situation afforded to like an indie musician. And I got to work with a bunch of indie musicians. Uh, Susan Gibson being a big 
main kind of catalyst in all this. She's a awesome songwriter from the central Texas area. Uh, and she was a big influence when I, I saw her play when I was in college. So I knew that the central Texas area was cool. And she's part of the reason why I moved here. Um, and then I just basically started stalking her and showing up at her shows and started selling her t-shirts and, uh, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, Susan Gibson wrote a song you might have heard of called Wide Open Spaces that was a little bit of a hit for a little band called the Dixie Chicks. Minor thing that Susan did. Uh, she's amazing. And uh, so at, then she said, why don't you sell t-shirts with me on the road on the weekends? Because that sounds fun. So I started doing that. And then she needed a new booking agent and I was good at email. Uh and the nerd stuff. So I was like, I can do that. Um, so I took over her booking. And so I ended up tour managing and booking and uh, kind of just being the right hand for about eight years with Susan and learned a ton and also grabbed on to all those social media tools that were still kind of on the upswing at the time um, of usefulness. And it was always like, there's a new platform, we have to sign up for it and see what it does. So um, other artists noticed that and they were like, Susan, uh, can we hire Jana? And she would be like, ask her, but no, uh, <laughs> she said, don't take her away. Um, but that actually led to, uh, I started Social Thinkery, which is my side consulting uh, business where I help mostly musicians, but it's branched out into some other uh, genres of people that need social media. Um, and kind of try to help them tell their story and do it efficiently and not get overwhelmed and all that kind of stuff. So that's, uh, and and now it's back to more music. I've just finished recording an album that I think is my best work, which is always what you want when you're, when you make a new something. Um, so I'm kind of shifting back into Jana the musician right now, but it's, it's always, it's always the flux. So both of those things intertwine all the time. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear the new record. I can't wait to send it to you. I should do that. When when, when will it come out, like, for everybody? There is going to be a single probably next month. And then awesome. uh, Then we'll skip over the holidays because that's busy and uh, do, like, January, late January, maybe February for the whole thing. So Great. Yeah. Well, we'll... Uh... We'll talk more about it at the end and make sure everybody knows where to go to find that and to find you. Sweet. You know, this is a weird podcast that we do because in some ways it's not about anything. And in some ways it's it's about marketing and business and mindset and all that. But, you know, it's also just us having conversations with people we find fascinating. And and uh, you're one of my favorite fascinating people. Well, thanks. Um, you know, it's funny the name of our podcast is the subtle art of not making noise of not yelling oh, oh yeah oh yeah wasn't the not making noise one that was one we thought about oh, yeah, wasn't yeah. It? it's been a i don't even know the name of my own long. show it's okay it's okay. Like, oh i thought it was not yelling <laughs> i really i really appreciate you i really appreciate you not saying anything jenna that's <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call it how it is. Kind of you. Miles right. about it. Well, I can always edit that out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one of the things that that is on your website is build community, make noise, repeat, mm -hmm. which I love, by the way. Thank you. I love that. But it's interesting because make noise, 
might mean something different to you than it does when we say the subtle art of not yelling. Right. Right. So we talk about not yelling like you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to get your message across. Right. So when you're talking about building community, build community, make noise, repeat, what do you mean by make noise? That's a great question. Um, yeah, because I would definitely say I am not for screaming uh, in most circumstances in life, but definitely marketing. Um, <laughs> uh, I think by noise, I mean, especially in the musician world, but I, I, I'm positive this applies to most areas. Um, there comes a point in someone's career um, where suddenly you're, you, you, maybe you've known about them all along or you've seen them play at a festival or a, you run into them at a conference, but then all of a sudden they're doing everything right and you just hear or see them all the time. And people are like, hey, did you hear this record by this person? And hey, I just saw them play and there's an Instagram post, but it's like it all pushes forward into one cohesive unit, which see noise being a positive term there where it's like, I am seeing this everywhere and this must be something I need to check out. Like it's like a subtle push into making people want to take interest, I guess. Yeah. And I guess you're not saying you have to make a loud noise. You're just saying make noise, make a little noise. You can't really, uh, I mean, you can make music. I love making music regardless. I will sit alone and write for the rest of my life, but if you want other people to listen to it, you have to be comfortable with your version of making noise. Um, or otherwise, just let that part go and make music. You know? <laughs> no, I love, I love that. that. It's like, uh, it makes me think of showing up consistently, making noise, it's like put, putting your work out there. And only when you do that for long enough is something going to happen. And, it, you know, so much of it is out of your control, especially in the music world, I would imagine. So just showing up, making noise, you know, some of it's going to be, um, you know, noise that people don't care for, but then every now and then, like, I think about myself in the creative process, a lot of my stuff, uh, that typically the world doesn't see is noise and it's the rough, you know, <laughs> the, the, the first few edits, uh, or drafts, and then eventually it comes to a point where it's like worth putting out there. Right. So I love that. Make noise. Repeat. Repeat. And repeat. Repeat is a very important uh, piece. Yeah. Of that. Yeah, exactly. That's a hard part, too, because it, you know, we've shifted kind of out of an album cycle, even though I'm putting out an album. But a lot of sure. musicians are just constantly making singles and, and whatnot. And that is the repeat part. But if mm. you're putting out a cohesive album project such a big thing and then all of a sudden you're done and and i've seen a ton of musicians just go dark and i respect that they're like i'm over this let's wait for the next thing and there's there's time for fallow periods in social media and and whatnot too but but i think um there is a little bit of a out of sight out of mind too with the internet so you kind of have to show up a little bit and and let people know what's going on even if it's not a whole brand new project yeah there's yeah. something to be said for consistency you know just continuing over time you know one of the things and i know miles really took note of this we talked about it before we 
got on with you is sustainability. You know, being able to uh, talk about what you do in a way that doesn't overwhelm you or you don't get totally burned out on over time so that you can continue to do it. I think you've always been great at that, Jana. You, for me, you're somebody with your stuff who you never, I never ever go, oh my God, Jana's just posting all the time and it's annoying. <laughs> um, you seem to do it just enough that I know what's going on with you. Yeah. And I can, I can check in and go, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and I would imagine that for you, that makes it easier to do over time. Because because to me, like you've always done that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad I'm not annoying. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's It's been a real concerted effort um, to think about how much is too much and how little is too little. And there are the good news is there are tons of examples in my peer group and beyond on the internet of what not to do. Um, we've all kind of had to maybe mute someone because they are just onslaughting the, if that's a word, uh, every day, multiple times a day. And there are social media advice articles where they're like, you need to Instagram, you know, three times a day or whatever, which I think that's an old opinion, but that was a thing at, at the time. Um, and so some of it is just people, we have this innate need to share and we've been given these devices that allow that um, ad nauseum and, and then a, a dabble a little bit of just human narcissism in there. And, and I think the oversharing is easy to do, but you're right, measuring it out and, and kind of you see the 80 20 rule with social media for myself and any client I've had is 20% about, you know, if you have a show coming up or a, a song to promote, 20% is that, but 80% should be other interesting things that give people a, a bigger general idea of who you are, which also fatigues people less because they, that kind of social media, you don't feel like you're being marketed to, even if it is still a form of marketing. So it's, it's pretty strategic, but I found that the more you do it, and I've been doing this for so long now that it's kind of natural at this point. And I am a little nervous about putting out a record. I've hired a publicist for the first time, and I know he's going to expect things, and I'm going to have to push it and all that kind of stuff. But I am bound and determined to make it very Jana. So. Well, one thing I would, I would say is that remember that when it comes to social media, you know more than your publicist. You're right. And there's oftentimes a lot of people, especially, and, and I can only speak from the music business because I was just having this conversation the other day, is that the music business and the people that we might work with inside of it is still generally, and I'm making, I know I'm making a general statement, but still generally mired in how things used to be done. And usually that business is at least 10 years behind, totally, if not more. And what you're doing works for you. You know how to communicate with the community that you built. Don't let anybody outside of you change that because they think things should be done in some way that we did them 10 years ago. Right. That's true. That's so true. It is, I do think oddly, music for being so generally on the forefront of many things in society, the marketing of it is generally 
the music business is not on the forefront of anything. As far as yeah, I'm concerned. exactly. Um, we're, we're always 10 years is about the right time frame. I would agree with you. Absolutely. Jenna, you said something that really hit me on your website and I pulled it uh, and I'd like to read it because it's just the, the words are so sweet the way you put it together. So you said, and it's about social media. My social media mantra is that it's not hard to do. By virtue of simply existing, we all create content daily. The goal is to put it out there in a meaningful way to build your community and make something sustainable and joyful. Let's do this. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's so true. Could you elaborate a little bit about that? How did you come to that realization? I truly thank you for reading that, number one. Um, it's nice when people read stuff you put on your website. Uh, I still agree with all that. That's been up there for a while. But yeah, that's totally my mantra. It We do, oh, create content every day, which sounds so markety. But it, yeah, I've been on this amazing uh, road trip for three weeks, and there's been plenty of beautiful things I've seen. But when I'm at home, too, there's always... It, it, we are creative people um, and we are constantly uh, making the things that it's, we are not, I'm getting there. We're, <laughs> we're not doing things because we need content. The things we do on a daily basis are the content, which I think takes a lot of pressure off. I think some people get into this, I need to post, what do I, I need to do something today to post about. And that is not authentic or actually a good way to live at all. But um, if you channel the brain into, what did I do today that that's interesting or cool? Or I am in a house right now with Adobe mud walls and there's a crack in one of them because uh, that's what happens and it's beautiful and awesome. That's interesting and I'm probably going to post about that later. Does that have anything to do with my uh, album, song, anything? No, but it's, it's my daily life and it's a piece of content um, and it brings me joy. And I actually think that's what, if it's truly bringing you joy, there will be 10% of the people at least that see your feed that will be like, that is cool. And that's really just what we're doing. We all need a little bit more of that every day because we are still in a pandemic and stuff is hard. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of which, I, I, I really, I, I like asking musicians about this, especially. This pandemic thing has affected everyone. But most of the musicians that I know, it's affected a lot. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed, you and I haven't talked a lot during the pandemic. We did for a little bit. We had a little clubhouse yeah. uh, conversation we were hosting for a little while. And other than that, what, what it seemed to me is that you turned your attention, at least in the last year, really back to music in a way that you weren't necessarily before mm -hmm. the pandemic. How have you managed to, well, just keep it together and keep your stress level in a manageable size, you know, without losing it and, and still create and still run your business and make money and do what you have to do. Right. Well, I won't say I didn't lose it a couple times, but I think we all did. Um, yeah, that was a, a, 
a big deal. Like this record that is now done was supposed to be done um, probably beginning of the pandemic. And then we just couldn't get together to do it. So, so that stopped. And uh, my travel buddy, Shawnee Kilgore and I uh, play a lot of shows together. So we had a lot of stuff booked for the summer and that all went away. And it was pr a, a pretty big shock. And then on the the social thinkery side, I had um, uh, a few clients that were venues um, or festivals that I worked with, and those had to shut down too. And they were kind and held on as long as they could, but eventually they're like, we are not doing anything, so we can't pay you anymore. And I was like, I get it. So it was just kind of this like constant like punch in the face every two or two to four weeks of like, and this went away. Um, and that was tough. But um, Shawnee and I were uh, quarantine pod buddies. So that was good. We love, I mean, we love to hang out. And so we watched a lot of movies and drank bourbon, but um, we, we co-write together a lot or just, we have a good musical um, uh, partnership. So that was a definite saving grace of a touchstone and it wasn't totally isolated living by myself. Um, and then I decided, <laughs> it's like with all this free time, I've always been interested in learning how to record um, and using, I have a Mac, so Logic Pro, um, but I it was always intimidating. And with, you know, traveling and doing all the things we filled our time with in the before times, I just never sat down. So I really sat down uh, summer of 2020 and, and got an interface and a, decent microphone and learned it and and uh <clears throat> i love pop music too i i'm i'm a folky that loves pop and beats and all that kind of stuff so i made a i built i wrote built made <laughs> a whole song and i released it at the end of the summer i was like i made this i guess i should put it out and i'm proud of it but um so that kind of lit a fire and i'm grateful for that because i don't think with the Without the downtime, I never would have dug in as much as I did. So that was a true, true sanity saver there for sure. opportunity um, in early August to go to Washington, D.C., and a cool spot called the Mansion on O um, is a, uh, it is a mansion on O Street in DuPont Circle in D.C., and they are beautiful patrons of the arts, and it's a hotel and a, a museum and a, a, 
a nonprofit and they also uh, let artists come stay and I and and do their thing, whatever it is. They put no boundaries on it and have no expectations and you don't turn anything in at the end. But I emailed them and I was like, can I come write and record for two weeks? And they said, come on. So they gave me a little apartment um, and uh, I had two weeks to wander around DC, which is one of my favorite cities. And uh, I learned just how long it really takes, like the whole process from beginning to end of write and record, because I never really, I'm always like working on a song and it takes a couple of months or, or, you know, then you start recording and you come back to it because you have other things on your plate. But this is like, start a song on Tuesday, um, get it kind of done by Wednesday, and then try to, how am I going to record this and make it sound cool? And that took a, that just took, it's time intensive. I really learned it takes so much brain energy to do all this all at once. So um, I came out with a new respect of just the process and getting it done. And maybe in the future, setting aside more time in my normal life to allow that to happen instead of just elongating things into months instead of days. So that was a real, that was a real kind of brain shift for me that happened last month. <laughs> That's so cool. I love hearing people's creative processes and, um, you know, how much structure is there, how, how much flow, masculine energy, feminine energy, logic. Um, I always like to ask, cause I'm a big believer in, you know, unpacking live fast, die young, and instead maybe live slow, die old is actually way more attractive to most people, to some people, um, not everyone. And so I'd like to ask you and feel free to, I guess it's a little personal, so you don't have to share. Um, but how would you explain yourself, your energy? For example, are you introverted, extroverted? Do you, you know, HSP is, is, is more common now in my world, you know, highly sensitive person, stuff like that. How would you describe yourself and your energy? I love this question. Um, <clears throat> I've always been a pretty, this is funny, a pretty loud introvert, I guess. I, I've, I, I think that book Quiet came out maybe about when I moved to Austin or something. And I, I devoured that. And it was that time when we were all like, hey, introverts aren't bad. Uh, and I really bought into that. I was like, yeah, yeah, just because we're quiet doesn't mean uh, we don't have uh, things to say. But uh, now there's way more nuance to all of that. Um, and I'm glad that we've grown from that basis and, and talk about how we are on a spectrum all the time, but I definitely know that I need recharge time. Um, and I do love talking to people and hanging out with people. And then if I do a lot of that, I have to go away for a while. Um, and even uh, uh, it's almost like that sensory deprivation chamber when it gets real bad. Like when I'd be on the road with Susan or something, and that's just like people and being nice and merch selling and all that kind of stuff. Then I'd have a whole like Monday where I just like kind of just sit on the couch and stare at Netflix, but not get anything in. But I, once I realized that was normal for me, 
then I'm fine with it. I used to think, oh God, why aren't you doing anything today? But you had to let that go. Oh, I love that, Jana. I love that so much. I mean, actually, that's that's what the mansion on O Street, in a way, started for me the first time I went there. Uh, we were on a long tour. We went. Uh, we had a number of things to do while we were there. But then there was this time that I had. And no one knows you're there. You have this room. You don't have to see anyone. It's this crazy place. It's it's five brownstones connected by secret passageways. So you walk through a mirror to get to your room kind of thing. And, and you could just hide out. And I think a couple of times that place saved my soul for the tour because I could just go and I didn't have to see anybody in the band. I didn't have to talk to anybody or do anything for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And then I could come out and be ready to go for whatever was next. I totally get it. That is the perfect place to do that too. And you're surrounded by interesting, beautiful things that you, you know, you can't help but um, be calmed by it and also inspired at the same time. Yeah, I get that. And I think probably the best the like the self-awareness of that so even if you're like feeling that at home or if i you know i think our all of our levels of socialization have adjusted <laughs> over the last year and a half so now it's you know you start venturing out and i'll have coffee with friends at a you know outside still but that's even new compared to 2020 and i'll be like wow, I saw my friend for two hours today and I am exhausted. <laughs> now I have to go take a nap. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I wonder yeah. if that'll get back up to former levels or if it's not such a bad thing that we're con you know, constantly aware of what takes our energy and what adds to it. I think that's probably a bonus. So, Yeah, so that, you know, that's really interesting, Jana. And I, uh, I know that, well, do you feel like your pace that your before times, as we call it, pace was a lot faster than your pace now. Totally. I think it was just a constant. I mean, a lot of it was uh, send some emails and get some emails back and then send more. That, that was a definite pace I had. And just the, the clients I was working with, venues, they had stuff constantly going on. So that felt full all the time. And then... Um, I'd love to travel. Uh, we had tour dates booked, but I also just kind of lived to make enough money to then go somewhere. Um, and that I think is good for me, but also I can see that that's a way of kind of just keeping busy and avoiding some other things. So when that all stopped, that was a real, like another punch in the face, but not a bad one. <laughs> for the most part but i am i've been so glad to be traveling so much this past month or two it's been i've been like oh yeah i still love this america is still here i need to see it check in on everyone um there's still trees and you know beautiful nature and human beings that's great it's good to see those sometimes well you know if we come back around to talking about marketing there's been times recently where my friend miles and i we get a little uh well we might bash a little bit on some of the more what i would call mainstream 
hard to call them traditional because digital marketing hasn't been around that long, but mainstream traditional masculine bro bro marketing techniques, you know. Totally. Have you ever felt like, as I know you've studied other marketing things, have you ever felt like aspects of that, tactics of that, ways of looking at that just didn't fit you? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking that, Bill. Uh, In your interview with Jason Moss, you mentioned, um, because you've always been kind of forefront with that, like building courses and stuff and then getting to launch and not quite, something felt weird about it. And and I appreciated that because I have always, uh, if, if you've been an internet kid in the early 2000s like it was just an onslaught of hustle and do better and go to bed at three and wake up at seven and if you're not doing that maybe you don't care enough and all the like all this programming and then funnel your emails and if they're not getting the follow-up you're not going to sell anything and like all that kind of um, propaganda quite frankly and it still exists and I have friends that are using it still um and, and I unsubscribe because I love them and I will buy their album, but I do not necessarily want to be in what I can see is an, an, a MailChimp funnel situation. Um, and I think that's that's the deal is we're all hype. We all know the trick behind it. I think that golden age in the years, uh, the early 2000s, even the 90s, I know some of the old school marketers were killing it back then, but... Um, we all see it and we know what it is. And so I think the trick now is to figure out how to market ourselves in a way that's the, the word authentic is overused, but in a way that people don't feel marketed to, which is just a ridiculous sentence to say, or at least be honest about what I'm trying to do here as opposed to kind of. Yeah. Like have some transparency about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe transparency is a better word than trying to be authentic. We're all authentic. However we do it, but mm. yeah. Um, I totally, I was like in the church of Gary V for a while. He's great. But I also like unfollowed him because I got real down on myself for not like taking meetings at like 530 in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause it's like, it, he's great, but you're not him. You know, he's great, but I'm not Gary V. I can't do what he does. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's got a whole team and, and, and unlimited resources and, also that and it works for him and he's a different person i mean you just told me how you how you are energetically and he seems to be very different it's intense and and, and everyone is so different and um uh, i love your answer there by the way that was like i was giving a metaphorical fist pump the whole time oh good because it was so it was so good to hear it's nice to hear from other people because it's been this underlying thing for me for a while now and only you know, recently has, is it clear what's happening? And I like that you said, people know, people know that they're being kind of tricked. They can see behind that curtain. And I think that the future of marketing and really the, the now of marketing is human, real human relationships. So bringing everything kind of full circle to what's on your website, build community, make noise, repeat. The first part is build community and community is based upon real human connection and relationships and posting the crack 
on your ceiling and having a, a random spontaneous human laugh about it and telling a story is what people want. Absolutely. People want their problems solved too, but they, and they want to be entertained through music and they want to be, um, all of those other things, but not in a way that feels like you're being sold to and, or talked down to, um, so I just, I love that build community, human relationships, right? Totally. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that even maybe we, we all, of course, this whole thing goes in cycles and, and, and so we were, we got used to a certain kind of marketing. And then I think probably there was a backlash to that with, with what turned into, I'm going to be real and tell you tell you my real stuff and like these long confessional Facebook Instagrams. Here's a picture of me looking kind of sad and here's why, um, which is legit if that's your jam. But I think that's turned into a whole, it is, it's a whole new brand of marketing that now that is insincere for the most part. It's like, oh, great. Another long post about, um, uh, you know, troubles with your kids. And then it gets down to like, you're selling me a protein shake or something. I don't know that, but it's like greenwashing, <laughs> like greenwashing with vulnerability. Yeah. It's like making things up or or being super dramatic for the sake of following the you know strategy of being vulnerable. Exactly. And I don't mean to make this into pandemic chat, but I think that whole event, we're all going through it. The entire planet is going through a monumental shift, and we got real tired. I've read that like influencers kind of just fell off the map. Um, Instagram influencers and whatnot that are famous for not much. But we were at this time where people were getting sick and the news is all about death and all that kind of stuff. And I think finally society was like, uh, there's no space for you right now. And uh, like gossip blogs, which sometimes I partake in, but that whole industry, because it is one, um, kind of went by the wayside too. I think it's picking back up again because human beings will always read that stuff. But it's like we we kind of had a reset of all the all the stuff we constantly streamed into our brains um, to distract us from from life. The life got so real that we couldn't and didn't want to be distracted by it for a minute. So that was a good reset, I think, in a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just pointed out a pandemic positive, but. <laughs> well, there are some. There are some. I mean, I, I don't, it's not like I want it to keep happening. Right, right? exactly. But I, I do think you, uh, it's it's useful to find the, the positives, the, the okay things. Absolutely. I mean, Really, you've pointed out a couple of those in your own life. Totally. You know, just just uh, how much uh, creative energy you've you've put into music in the last couple of years, and learning to record yourself, and all of those things. That's huge. It's great that that you probably wouldn't have done at least not the same way had you not been forced to stay in your little house. So true. Absolutely. And what did we all turn to like immediately those early days, like everyone was out of like, I don't know, booze for one, um, 
but any creature comfort we were all ordering on the internet and and then oh, yeah. we were like what hobbies have i always wanted to do but never like we all humanity was like oh my god free time that was great did did you bake bread i didn't i can't bake <laughs> i don't even pretend but i have some friends that made some killer sourdough so um yeah <laughs> yeah i did it once and i was like there was flour everywhere for like a month I was finding flour like a month later going, how did that get over there? That's still from that why? first loaf of bread. That's weird. Yeah. Why is there flour three rooms away from the kitchen? I don't understand. I think, uh, yeah, I, bread might be in that category of there are just some people that do it better. So I'm, I'm definitely going to pay them to do it for me. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's next for Jana Pokop? What's next for social thinkery? How do you see, Obviously, you said a lot of your clients dropped off. Mm -hmm. People didn't need the same things. Music is starting and stopping, and it's coming back, it would seem. You yeah. know, here in Texas, obviously, things are pretty funky. Uh, some venues went away entirely. Some are kind of running on a little lower energy uh, thing. Um, I don't think anybody's generating the money they were generating. So how do you see social thinkery moving forward from here? I have been thinking a lot about that. Um, and I, I've talked to you, Bill, about uh, kind of doing more of an educational bent to it and that I love helping people. I also love helping them, giving them um, tools, information, inspiration, and then sending them on their way into the big world to apply it. You know, each musician's got to kind of figure it out themselves. Um, and, and so helping them find their voice and kind of, I've been working slowly on structuring, uh, maybe a, a course is not the right word, but like a several months in a row meetup session where, where either it's one-on-one, -on -one, which I've done for a long time, but uh, I'm interested in a group dynamic for that. Um, and helping artists, you know, kind of take what they need from, from everyone's experiences and apply it. And then uh, my point is getting out of like, uh, I, I do have some clients that I love that, that I just run their social and that's fine. And it's, fun to do for the most part, but it kind of detect when you have someone else doing your social, um, sometimes your voice gets lost. And the people I work with luckily are real good about here's what I want to say and let's figure out how to say it. But you see a lot of um, musicians that kind of just want to hand it over. And I think that, and I get it, time is precious and uh, Facebook is not a priority for a lot of people. Um, but trying to figure out how to help musicians streamline it and still be that famed word authentic and uh, transparent about it. Um, and also I love helping artists with their crowdfunding campaigns. I've probably helped on like uh, over a hundred at this point um, from just consulting to running the campaign for them, Kickstarters and whatnot. And that's super gratifying and they're short-term projects and then they're successful and and uh the the art gets put into the world so that feels really fun to do and i'm helping about three people right now with that um so i'd love to continue doing that and the good thing is i think the pandemic proved 
that people truly need music and art. Like that was the early in those March of 2020, every musician got their thing canceled and we started live streaming and everyone was at home watching the live streams because we were so distraught and and music became kind of a touchstone of comfort for everybody. Um, and, and now that stuff's starting to come back, when you can go to a show, I haven't really been to, um, to a big concert yet, but um, people are psyched. Like they are buying tickets and they just, they want to show up and they, they've missed it. And so that's good that people realize they missed it. So I think that social thinkery will always have, like it's better time than, than ever now. Cause we are, it's, it's, it's not a thing that died off and is kind of floundering. It's, it's just gone dormant a little bit. And when the real push gets to come, um, it's going to be busy again. And we're all making records and we're all figuring out where to play when we can play and all that kind of stuff. So that's been really heartening actually. Um, and it makes me excited to put my record out, <laughs> which is the other part of that. So. That's fantastic. So exciting. Life just is not the same without art and music. Oh, you're so right. And we talk a lot in the before times about how we've devalued it and streaming numbers and what you get paid and all that kind of stuff. And I talked myself into mild depression about, oh, no one wants to pay for music anymore. But this is shown it's valuable. And then it's the artist's job to figure out how to apply that value and and make a living i guess <laughs> and hey look that's the job of anybody with any business especially when they're marketing it on the internet is to be able to say what is this worth what can i get paid for it in a real way not like in the you know oh i have to have a seven thousand dollar offer but you know what i'm saying like uh what is the value and you can build a community and and in a way that community will inform you of what the monetary value is for what you're doing you know i think you and i had this conversation about your patreon where i was upset with you because you had you had a couple of price tiers on your patreon that i found objectionably low i said hey you you know you're worth more than that and people will pay more than that and i and i think you got rid of a couple of i them. did i took bill small's advice because it was great and i did i had you know some of the advice on on that is have a dollar level so that if people are on the fence they're like it's only a dollar and they get in but then you're like you're saying oh my music and everything I make on a monthly basis is only a dollar. And that is, uh, that's truly detrimental actually, um, to my psyche. And once Bill pointed that out, I was like, oh yeah. So, um, uh, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I really try, I put a lot of effort and, and heart into what I put on the Patreon site. So yeah, it is worth more than a dollar a month. And realizing that is a yeah, big, and and you get to set that. Yes, absolutely, and that's that is true. Like the artist actually gets to set their price for that, and it's so hard for us sometimes to admit, oh, I am worth more than this. But um, yeah. totally. 
Well, you know, not to, I mean, obviously we're talking about the music business a lot because, you know, you and I are both in it, but, you know, you get stuck in that thing where uh, I always, I always make this analogy that if I'm a visual artist and this is nothing against visual artists, I know lots of them and they're great, but I, I have a friend who he's a painter and he can spend a day or two, uh, maybe even longer, maybe a week working on a painting. Mm -hmm. And then he can sell that painting for somewhere between 600 and $1,500. I spend uh, a month, two months, six months, and probably 10 to $15,000 making a record. And I can sell that for 15 bucks. And people want me to want it for 10. Right. <laughs> They'll say, oh, can I have it for 10? No, you can't. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So there is this in that particular business, you know, going back to kind of how it's behind and things like that. Uh, the old way of looking at it has us really devalue what we do. And I think you can actually you can map this onto other things that people do and, and what the market is for them. It just comes down to what is your community? What is your audience willing to pay? How do they value you? And the only way they know that is how you value you, how you set it. It's super cool and it's super challenging all at the same time. It is because it's rough when you have, you know, the, the giant streaming corporations telling you a play of your song is worth 0.008 cents. And you're like, okay, well, you do the math on that. What not? Um, and that's what they've determined. But um, you're absolutely right. Uh, how we put whatever we make out there. I think it's interesting that you said... Uh, talked about your painter friend because we just stayed with uh, a brilliant painter um, in California was one of our stops, uh, a friend on this trip. And and she mentioned that, well, we asked, we said, when you make a painting, is it hard to sell it? And she said, not when you know that you need to eat. So uh, I've never <laughs> had a problem letting a painting go. And she's like, now we have way better ways of digitally archiving my work um, so she can always see it. But I thought, I was like, that is so different than when we write a song and we're just like spewing it out there because it's not yes. a tangible item. Um, and so the great thing is that work can reach a ton more people, but maybe there's something harder to put a value on when especially it's binary mm -hmm. code if you put the song online, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 so fascinating how we come up with numbers for art. <laughs> yeah, it is, and the only reason we do it is, you know, the artist does have to eat. Absolutely. Maybe we have to turn songs into NFTs now. The terrifying thought, Bill. Well, whatever that is, I'm still not quite sure what that is. We could probably do a whole nother episode on what the what the hell is an NFT. I've but, read so many things on it, and don't ask me to say what it is. Still. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. All right. So, new single out potentially next month. Yep. That's going to be yep. called Matador. Awesome. Uh, and album out after the first of the year yep and that is called the astronaut so uh 
And where can people go to find out when those things are happening, to get on whatever uh, your preferred method of communication is, whether that's email or social or whatever? Uh, where would you like people to go to find out about what you're doing next? Um, after I post the crack in the Adobe mud wall, I the, on Instagram, I will probably post about the record. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm on. I am on all the socials, Facebook, um, Instagram's probably my favorite now. I do tweet angrily about politics. So that's less of a promotional tool and more of a cathartic uh, platform for me. But I'm on all those. And uh, email list is still pretty fun. I, I don't, I definitely don't over email in the fact that I uh, let it go for a couple months at a time. But I try to be monthly with the email list and all that and there is a patreon page which those folks will uh probably get to hear stuff a little early so that is a good spot to find me um but a truly um it's it's it is it's going to be fun to create the story of how to put this record out because there is a story to the album and it will be fun to tell so i'm pretty excited so just find me anywhere and <laughs> well, I want to have you back after you put it out and see how it went. And we can talk about uh, how your marketing evolved and yeah. what happened. I can see some growth happening. So <laughs> it's going it's, it's to be uh, someone, my producer, I think, said when he asked, you know, is your record coming out this month? And I said, Dan, it's coming out like next year. And he said, that's so long. But I was like, it is not in this prep time. Like it's barreling at me so it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be an intense fall but it'll be fun so awesome well i can't thank you enough for spending this time with us yeah it's been really fun to get to know you i love what you're doing in the world and i've listened to some of your music and it's awesome thank you uh, it's so good to meet you miles and bill let's have a coffee date uh yes let me can. know when you're back and let's do it Absolutely. And thank you guys for doing this podcast. This is a uh, super essential stuff for people to hear. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening today. Miles, can you believe people actually listen to this stuff? No. <laughs> Well, if you liked it and you want to know more, you can go to, wait, where do they go? Uh, it's, <laughs> let me try that again, subtleartofnotyelling.com. Subtleartofnotyelling.com. Does that have a B in it? There's a hidden B somewhere. I think it's, I think it's actually pronounced subtle. Ah, and people just kind of. Subtle kinda, art of not mm -hmm. yelling. So you can go there. Yep. And uh, when you're there, you can leave a review. You can send us a voice message, which is kind of cool mm -hmm. uh you can get on our email list uh, find out more about uh what great and awesome people we are and uh man i guess i guess we'll just see you next time